Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. That's where we have a majority of the book of Proverbs. This young man's by the name of Solomon. And if you would like to turn into your scripture, you can, or use your phone. It's in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Interesting about Solomon is that even though God imparted wisdom to him, he actually experienced everything life had to offer. He didn't hold anything back. And he was a great observer. And through his life, and all the excess that he lived, he actually concluded something really important for you and me. Proverbs chapter 4.23, he said, Above all else, Guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Now, I usually read out of the NIV, and that's the NIV. But I think the English Standard Version and the King James Version really speak more to the Hebrew than, than the NIV. So if you have the King James Version or the ESV, you'll, you'll see it. The ESV says this, Keep your heart with vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life. It's a little different. Keep your heart with vigilance. And then the King James says, Keep your heart with diligence, with all diligence. For out of it, it springs the issues of life. Folks, like I said, very rarely are you walking around with a, with a whole heart. Things penetrate your soul. Things penetrate your life. Relationships. Messages. They seem to stick to us. But see, God says, and Solomon says, guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence and diligence. For out of it flow the springs of life. It's very interesting what Solomon is saying here. A man who's actually experienced a lot of things. He's saying, he's giving us a warning. Caution. Trust me. I've experienced a lot. I've seen it all. And this is the conclusion. The spiritual center of your life, above all else, above your kids, above your spouse, above your job, above your career, above your leisure, 
above your pleasure. Guard your heart. The inner part of you. Whoa. Wait. Above my kids? Above my career? Above my family? I need to guard my inner person? See, there's something about your heart. There's something about your soul. It's eternal. It's everlasting. Once it exists, it never not exists. And in eternity, it will have a geography. Your inner being, once the body is out of breath, once there is no electrical impulse within it, the body remains, but the soul, the body will stay, but the soul will always remain. Solomon says, above everything else in your life, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. See, it's interesting about God because God and His nature is restorative. God, by His character, renews, regenerates. But how many of us are walking around with Hearts that are partial, pieces missing, chunks taken away. There are many of us that have had relationships where we actually gave our heart to someone. We allowed them to see our inner person. And there are some of us that have had relationships or are in relationships that they have taken pieces away from us. It's been bruised, it's been battered, it's been beaten, it's been wounded. Grief and loss, they all take a toll on the inside of you. He says, guard your heart. It's interesting that he doesn't say hide it. I think there's a lot of us, many among us, that think that we're guarding our heart when we're in actuality, we're hiding it. What's the difference? What's the difference between guarding the heart and hiding the heart? Well, hiding your heart keeps it under lock and key. I've never hidden anything in the light, have you? Unless I wanted a five-year-old to find it. Like Easter egg hunts. You, you kind of want your, your, your three-year-old to find the egg. But once they hit seven or eight, you definitely do better at hiding it, right? It's not in the light any longer. I've never hidden anything from my parents that was in the light. It was always in the dark. It was always in a place that light couldn't get to and no one else could get to. Because I wanted to protect it. I wanted no one else to have access to it. When we hide our heart, it's all about self-preservation. 
It's all about no one can have access to it at all. And it's reactionary, isn't it? We're reacting based on all those past experiences that we've had, all those people that have stolen, all the pain that we've had. But guarding the heart is way different. Amy and I were at corporate this past week on Friday. We were there for a celebration of life of one of her coworkers who had passed away back in April. And we gathered around, shared stories and laughed and cried and then afterwards we all hang out hung out and had had pizza and some of them had drinks and and we were talking with probably my most favorite person because she's the one that's in charge of the chocolate making i like chocolate it's good she's wonderful at what she does but when we were talking to her if she isn't making chocolate her passion is gardening she loves to garden But what she doesn't like to do is the planting stuff. She likes the harvesting stuff. Right? We want the fruit without all the labor. That's what she likes to do. And she was telling us with her garden, she puts all this organic material in it throughout the whole year. Banana peels and manure and all this other stuff. And my wife asked a very good question. Since Sherry has access to coffee grounds and we have access to coffee grinds, She asked, Sherry, do you ever use coffee grinds in your soil, in your garden, on your farm? And Sherry said, no, I don't. And we learned. Why not? Like, that, it's really good for your soil. She said, but it's not good for the cats. And I said, risk-reward, right? (laughs) I'm not a cat person, if you haven't, although I really do love our cat. Just kidding. Um, But she said, it's not good for the cats. I said, what do you mean? She said, we have outdoor cats. And they're the guardians of the garden. I thought, what? The cats are the guardian of the garden. They keep the mice and the beady-eyed furry woodland creatures away from the plants for those free meals. They come to the garden for the free meal Ironically, they don't realize that they're going to be a meal, right? I thought, oh, that's really interesting that those cats, even the smallest rodent, she said, can do the most damage to your garden crop. And I thought, oh, huh. That's what Solomon's talking about. Even the smallest things that get in can do the greatest of damage within you. That's what guarding the heart is. It's to keep watch so that your heart, those things that have stuck to it, that you can't get out on your own, you do your best to prevent them to get in there. So, How do we do it? How do we guard our heart? How do we we own it? Because guarding your heart is owning your heart. Well, the Bible teaches that owning your heart 
ironically, you have to give it away. Wait a second. I'm still stuck on hiding my heart. How in the world am I going to give it away? The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. When you own your heart, when you take responsibility for your heart, when you guard it, you do what's unnatural to you and you give it away. But with those people in our life, that have pulled it away, that have already taken it away. I think some of us believe that God's going to be like them, that He's going to kick it around the room. He's going to break it. He's going to wound it. He's going to cut it. He's going to hand it back to you in pieces. But as I said, God by nature is restorative. He renews. God will not handle your heart like the people in your life have handled your heart, whether they were good and genuine or not so good and disingenuine. God Himself will make it whole, will restore it, will renew it. He's a God that makes things new, isn't He? Front to back, Genesis to Revelation. We often see God making things new that were broken. Folks, just like those mice who thought they were going to get a meal and actually became a meal, when you hide your heart, you harden it. But when you give your heart, to the owner of your heart, the Lord, He restores it. The author of life makes it new. So today, for all of us in the room, teenagers, seniors, the challenge for you is to own your heart. you got to take responsibility for your heart. And the first way to own your heart is to give it away. Don't hold back any longer. Let God do what God is good at. Own your heart. Be responsible for it. Give it away. For all those things that stick to your heart, what do we do? Well, not only do we own our heart, but giving it away to the Lord. We ask Him, God, search my heart. So we own it by giving it. Then we ask Him to search it. Test it. Put it through the test. Let me know what's stuck to it. What are the messages that I'm letting in? What are those little rodents coming in? Where are they? Help me find them. Because they're taking pieces away. Search it. 
Some of you in the room are dating boys that are taking it away. And I'm not just talking to the teenagers. Some of you are in the room are dating boys when you should be dating men. Some of you in the room are dating girls when you should be dating women. You've given it to someone you shouldn't be giving it to. If you're going to own your heart, there are relationships in your life that you probably need to cut off. So you can give it to the one who is the author of life. For the rest of us, how do we own our heart on a daily basis? Here at Walpock Naz, however much we want to feed you on Sunday morning. How many of you is your stomach at this point in time about ready to rumble, right? All right, yeah, we're getting there. Don't worry. We're almost there. If you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I've got one. I know I licked it. My bad. <laughs> My bad. How ridiculous would it be if you only ate one meal a week? Seriously. If you ate one meal a week, how would you be physically, mentally, and emotionally on like day two? I think hangry would be an understatement, right? So here's the thing. Why do we just eat one spiritual meal a week? We walk around spiritually emaciated. However much we want this meal to mean something to you, however much we want this meal to fill you up on a Sunday morning, this meal is not going to last through the rest of the week. Here at Wapak Naz, we really want to teach you how to be fed through the week. I have heard over the course of my last 20 years that many people have left this church or that church because, oh, they weren't feeding me. The question is, were you feeding yourself? Were you feeding yourself? What we want to do here at Walpock Naz is teach you how to eat your daily bread. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. That's not just a prayer about the bread, the sustenance of bread here. It's about the spiritual bread. We are not to live on bread alone, but by every word that, com word that comes out of the mouth of God. We want to teach you and raise you up so that you can be fed throughout the week and so you can also teach other people how to be fed as well. So here at Wapak Naz, we offer a few avenues for you. First avenue is an eight-week trek. It's an eight-week Bible study. It's one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two. It's about exploring Christianity and the basics of Christianity. It's offering an opportunity for you to go home and begin to go through the Bible and have a conversation once you've come back. 
and to ask the questions that you've always wanted to ask but never felt comfortable or had somebody that you can ask. There are many people in this room and part of this congregation that aren't here today that would love to walk you through the eight-week Bible study. One of the individuals being baptized on, sun, on next in two weeks is actually going through the eight-week Bible study, the eight-week track with me. But we don't want to just leave it there. If you look at your worship folder, there's announcements starting in September are life groups. Life groups will start September 10th, that's a Sunday, and then September 11th, that's a Monday, and then whatever that Thursday is. I don't know what that day is. I don't know. I'm not calendaring very well. But life groups, life groups is an avenue that is in seasons here at Wapak Mass. We believe that you grow in community when you're around other people. When other people can encourage you, other people can sharpen you, other people can challenge, and other people can pray over you. Life groups start September 11th. If you go to wapaknaz.org, you can sign up for an eight-week trek study, and you can sign up for life group. In life group, we get in Scripture. We pray over each other. This year, this season, this life group is going to go through a powerhouse of a book. It's called The Last Arrow by Erwin McManus, focused on the life of the prophet Elisha. I read this book on the way to Cuba back in 2018. Absolutely transformed the way I think and the way I live my life. Because the last line, the, the, the addendum is save nothing for the next life. Sounds really Buddhist, right? But it's not. We don't have a next life, so you might as well live this one. So I challenge you. Become a part of a life group. If you're new here, you're welcome. It's for anyone and everyone. The books are $10. They're less than cost. They're right there on the table on your way out. We'll have them there over the course of the next six weeks. Or, or longer. You can drop payment in the joy box or you can go online. You can just put book. Even if you're not in a life group, I challenge you to read this book. You can listen to it on the Libby app. That's free. You can listen to it on the Hoopla app. That's free. But folks, we want to raise you up. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all people your people. We want to raise you up. We want to teach you how to own your heart. And we also want you to sharpen other people. How many of you in this room have a knife in your pocket? Shame on you. I'm just kidding. A professor of mine gave me an, a knife when I was a part of a, a group. It was a life group of students. He gave us all a knife. And he said, this is your knife. And he quoted, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So one woman, so one man sharpens another. We need other people in our life to sharpen each other. We need people in our life to hold us accountable, to ask us the hard questions. So I'm also challenging you 
asking you, completely encouraging you. Who's your iron? Who do you meet with regularly? Who says, hey, when's the last time you clicked on porn? When's the last time you took a drop of alcohol? When's the last time you slept with her? When's the last time your anger got the best of you? When's the last time you did some good in somebody's life? What's God speaking to you? What's the scripture that you're reading? When's the last time your attitude and your emotion got the best of you? When's the last time somebody else got the best of you? Folks, we need people in our life to speak truth to us. I challenge you to find an iron. Where are they? Well, look around. Who invited you here? Who invited you to Wapaknaz for the very first time? Congratulations. There's your iron. Who around you do you see that is spiritually more mature than you are? He said, man, that person's got it. There's your iron. Who's leading? Who in your life group have you connected with? Above and beyond everybody in your life group, who's the one that you can trust? Oh, congratulations, there's your iron. Who's the one that you can be comfortable with and vulnerable enough with that you can grow? There's your iron. It's not your spouse. It's not your spouse. Folks, own your heart. Guard your heart. Give your heart to the Lord. Give it away. Confess it. Come into community. That's how you're going to own your heart. Eat meals every day. We're Nazarenes. We, we, we love to eat spiritual meals every day. So with that said, I'd ask that you bow your heads for just one moment. Father, as, as we talk about our hearts, our souls that last forever, and we're mindful that there's a geography, that they will take up a place. It's a matter of which place. Lord, will you move on our lives in such a way that we're hungry for you, and that our eyes are open to how you're moving around us. Lord, the challenge is set before us to own our heart. Lord, help us take stock of our life, particularly how much care or lack thereof we're giving to our soul. Jesus, You are our source of life. You are that wellspring within our soul. Lord, help us feast daily and commune with You daily. And Lord, for this ministry, we don't just come to worship on a Sunday morning and go away and do nothing else. We've, we've come to equip. 
to disciple and equip and to raise up leaders, to raise up disciples so that they can go out and make disciples, followers of Jesus. May this group of people no longer be spiritual consumers, but be contributors to be irons in people's lives, to be intentional in life groups, to meet one-on-one or one-on-two, to invite people out for lunch and to get to know them, pray over them, you're here today in the spirit of prayer I know I'm talking while I'm praying but I'm talking to you right now if you need to own your heart by giving it to the Lord this is that moment now I know you can do it wherever you are and you can do it outside of this but the challenge is before you to give the author of life your heart to make it new. So I ask that you do it. So will you pray with me? You can repeat after me. Jesus, bless you. I give you my heart. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross and you rose from the dead three days later. You died for my sins and you conquered death. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. And I want to follow you. I want to step into the adventure with you. Make my heart whole again. It's in your name that I ask. Amen. If you did that, sincerely, can you let me know? Can you raise your hand? Jesus, thank you for who you are. Empower us to guard our heart because it is so important. It's in your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. Would you please stand? It wasn't the typical we Sunday today, but I can tell you that the sound of kids in this room is amazing. I'll never forget 10 years ago when we first started, you didn't hear that sound in this room. You didn't. So it is a welcome sound. I'm grateful for it. And I hope you are too. Yeah, Alize is. Hey, will you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength? And will you please love your neighbor as yourself this week? Love you guys. Please know you're prayed for. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Get some peanut butter and jelly. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you. 
and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.